Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friend to Mit, a podcast all about friendship. I'm Ricky. And I'm Sarah. And we're here today to talk to you about friendships and mental well being with a very special guest. Yes, uh, the first guest on the podcast so far. Uh, and we wanted to talk to someone who had a lot of insight about exactly what Sarah said uh, friendship and mental well being. But we are not therapists um, yet, <laughs> but Sarah decided to bring on Jessica Cleary LPC, a licensed therapist. Yes. And boy, did she knock it out of the park. Like yeah. this was amazing. Yeah, think, this is uh, this would be like a really good introduction. If you've never done therapy and you just want to be like a fly on the wall and wonder like what it's like, like this is this is kind of what it feels like. I mean, we get so many actionable pieces of advice that, of course, apply to Ricky and I because we are apparently the same person when it comes to friendships. Yep. But, <laughs> but also, I bet you that so many of you out there can use the same things. And Jessica is, speaking from experience, a wonderful therapist. I've been here with her for almost... Was it almost two years, a year and a half? I don't know. But she was fantastic. She helped me get through COVID without going absolutely crazy. And you can find her. We'll link to her website and her practice on both on the episode in the episode description and on Instagram. But Jessica is just such a beautiful person with so many wonderful pieces of advice that you can take and use in your everyday life. Yeah. And we talked to her about how friends impact our mental well-being, how you can be a friend to someone who is struggling with something, uh, and even just like the importance of different types of friendships um, and also knowing what role you play in friendships. It's just, it's so much. So without further ado, here is us talking with Jessica Cleary, LPC. So we had two topics today that we would like to talk to you about. First, um, friends and the mental well-being, our mental well-being and how friends impact us or can help us. And then secondly, we'd also like to talk about friends and development of identity or self or identity or self, either for adults uh, or kids. Perhaps we can just start with our first question is in your experience, how do you see friendships or friends impacting people's uh, mental well-being? I think it has a big impact on it. Um, and I, I guess I have to relate to myself personally a little bit there because I know I feel better if I have a small social circle as a, in comparison to no social circle, for sure. Um, when I moved back from my college town to where I live now, it was really hard. I did not have friends yet. Um, so depression, anxiety, all of those things, I could really tell a difference. Um, yeah. In my professional work, I do um, talk to a lot of people in kind of that 30-year-old age range where they're trying to find themselves because it could be that their friends are married, having children, buying houses, starting careers, and maybe they're not quite there yet. Or maybe they have children and careers and houses and their friends are not there yet. So it's kind of hard to, um, I guess, find your place during that age. 
And so it really is important, I think, to find people that you have something in common with, but don't lose connections to the people that you don't. We know each other. I know you because you were my therapist. And some of the things that I was dealing with was exactly what you were mentioning now. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, I had, I say had in a past tense because I want to believe I'm done, but I did have some anxious reaction patterns sometimes. And one of the tools that you helped me develop was a little toolkit for how to handle the anxious thought patterns when they pop up and how to just be in them and not let the anxiety control me, but to let it kind of pass through me. And one of the, I think the first step or the second step was reaching out. Like I wrote down who of my friends to call for which reactions. Right. So that I know like when I'm in that like panicky mindset and don't, you know, logic is kind of like not existing. Then at least I know who to call. I know right. who's going to be telling me, like, remember, you're not allowed to make a decision for a week. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Jessica said, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't make a decision for a week. And it was like, uh, I adopted two cats and I was freaking out. And Jessica was like, you can't make a decision for a week, stay home, figure it out, wait. And then we talk in a week and like three days later, I'm like, Oh, my babies. Blah, blah, blah. And I kept them both. Quentin passed away, but mm -hmm. June is still here. So I'm still really grateful that I kept them both. And I think you made a very important point there on knowing who you can go to with whatever situation comes up. So if you're looking for advice, you find a friend that gives good advice. If you're looking for someone to listen, find someone that's going to let you do more of the talking than they're going to do. Because I've made that mistake. Plenty of times where I've reached out to someone who I just needed to listen to me. I don't need a solution to my problem. I just want to talk about my problem. But then they're trying to find solutions or they say, well, that happened to me one time. But and then they tell about their experience, which it kind of invalidates your feelings a little bit. So it's important to know who those people are in your life. And that way you kind of know to, who to go to with when you need certain things. Like I have a fun friend that when I need to have fun and just get out of my work mode for a little bit, I have my supportive friend that's gonna build me up when I feel very negative about things. And then I have my listening friend that's going to hear me more than they're going to try to fix the situation. Um, it's taken me a long time to kind of develop those relationships and some of them are not exactly where they need to be. And um, sometimes I kind of um, blur the lines a little bit with those yeah. relationships. And um, but I think that's important to in my I'm 36. So like at this point in my life, it's good to know those things. Wow. I think Ricky and I, we talked about I can't remember if it was on a podcast or just whenever we were talking about friendship before starting the podcast, mm -hmm. but we mm -hmm. talk about having friends, like different categories of friends mm -hmm. or friends for different uses, which yes. is a little bit what you're saying. And I was struggling with whether that's okay that you sort of have friends for different purposes or whether like a, a real friend in quote is somebody who can do all of it. A lot of times I end up wanting uh, either a deeper level of friendship from someone who actually might be showing up in a more casual environment mm -hmm. or even vice versa. I 
will be put as just like, oh, you're you're just the fun friend. And then I scroll on Instagram and see other people doing something. But I thought I was, why am I not there? Like, it's so I, uh, I'm very interested in these categories and having, um, and what's like the best approach in finding and managing those. So this kind of goes two different ways. We want to identify those people in our life. We want to find people for each of those categories, but we want to know what category we fit into and what strengths we bring to our friendships. Um, I know my weaknesses are I'm not good at making plans. If you call me and say, let's do dinner, I'm going to be there, but I'm not going to call you for dinner. Mm. Um, and sometimes that has hurt relationships because they think I never want to hang out or socialize. And it's not that it's just not that's not the way my brain works. I'm not the plan planner. Um, so I've had to learn that that's my weakness and kind of explain that to friends along the way. Um, I think being a therapist in my professional life carries over a lot to the personal life. And so a lot of people kind of use me more as the listener and the um, advice giver and not necessarily the fun friend. So I've had to kind of um, accept that in a lot of ways. Sometimes I'll make a joke and say, you're not paying me right now. So, you know, let's not get too deep into this. But then, you know, I I do want to be there for people um, if they need me. If I'm that person in their life, I definitely want to be available for that. Identifying friends and finding my self-identity are both things that I've really worked on the past few years. We always have to put boundaries in friendships or in any relationships, right? So Mm -hmm. I find sometimes that it's difficult to set a boundary when a friend is requiring or like needing something from me that I feel I can't give them. And then, I mean, you're a therapist because I'm assuming because you want to help people. So isn't, is that like, how do you set boundaries in friendships? Well, that's hard for me in all relationships and even my marriage, because I am very solution focused. I want people to feel better immediately. So if it's they had a bad day at work, I want to fix it. I want to carry that weight. If it's that um, my husband came home and he didn't sleep well the night before and his day went, you know, kind of bad. I want to fix that immediately. And it doesn't matter if it's just a professional relationship for me. I carry that weight across all my relationships, marriage, family, um, friends, work. And so sometimes that's very emotionally draining on me. And so the boundaries is what keeps me from the burnout or the compassion fatigue that we hear about. So I think that most people have understood that I'm not always at work. You know, my mom will call and she'll start to to vent to something and I'll say, I'm not your therapist. You know, this is something you need to maybe schedule professional help for, or I don't think we should talk about that. I don't think that's something, a conversation you should have with me. And it's usually like her own marital struggles with my dad, you know? So it's it's very minor stuff, but it's like, that's not the place. I'm not the person for that. And then the same way with some of my coworkers, sometimes at my full-time job, you know that I'm a director at a community mental health agency. And since you and I talked, I've bumped up a little bit in my role. So I'm over five children departments in five different areas. So about 120 staff. And you have 120 staff that they're they're wanting to come to you for every little thing, like 
this is a crisis. I've had a bad day. My son got bit at school. Like it's you, you get a lot of that kind of open door policy where you hear a lot of people's work life stuff, their personal life stuff. And so it's hard to kind of set those boundaries with my staff, you know, because I'm supposed, I'm the support person. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm exhausted. And I think that's why it's so easy for me to put the boundaries in place with my family, friends, my partner, you know, those type things, because I'm just emotionally drained by the end of the day. Nice. I mean, not nice that you're <laughs> drained, but nice that you can set down the boundaries. Yeah. But then that's where the good self-care comes in, right? And that's something that I've had to learn. I've been a therapist for seven years. I'm practicing it better than I was seven years ago. You know, um, I'm in a much better headspace now than what I was. And even every year that comes along, I think this is going to be a year that I'm going to get some things together professionally, personally. I'm going to work on these things. And, you know, it's just it's always evolving and always learning. So with friendships, with everyone's friendships, you can't expect to maneuver all of those perfectly, you know. I wanted to point out that um, I don't know if y'all relate to this or you all relate to this, but I feel like I have my work friends, my personal friends, like my, you know, I'm still in contact with people from childhood or still in touch with my college friends. And then I have, I mentioned work friends, but then I'm involved in a charity organization. So I have that friend group and then like kind of my fun friend group. And so I have very small circles. Um, but my overall, I would say real friend, I've been friends with her for, um, oh gosh, almost 20 years. And we just pick up right where it left off. And I feel like she always knows what I need. She knows she can be fun. She can be a listener. She can be a problem solver. She can be all of those things. And we live three hours apart. So we may pick up, you know, three months from now. I may not have seen her for almost a year, but we can just pick up where we left off. You know, I see her a few times a year and that's it. And I feel like that's my definition of a real friend is someone who you want in your life, no matter what season of life you're in. And they can give you all of the things that you need. Um, Not everybody has that friend and that's okay. But I think it's good for everybody to have someone like that, that they can relate to. For sure. That's a perfect segue into one of the questions we wanted to ask you. So we've talked a lot about um, a lot of your perspective as like a professional. Um, How would you say you friend? Like what's your friendship style? I definitely think I'm a listener (laughs) for sure. I will use this example. I do have a friend from childhood. She and I met when I was three. So I'm 36. So 33 years. Our parents are really good friends. She and I are more like family, I think, than friends. She will call me sometimes and say, can we go get drinks or can we go have dinner? And we usually just back and forth talk about what our lives look like, like her work stress, my work stress. Um, I think those are the most solid friendships I have is just listening and having those conversations that sometimes go pretty deep and then sometimes stay surface level with just work and home and life, general life. 
Um, but then I think I also have some really deep, meaningful friendships. Um, I have a friend named Trey who, you know, I know things about him that a majority of people don't know. And so we have a very deep connection in that way because he has a lot of past trauma. He has a lot of, um, trying try to identify himself and where he wants to be and relationship wise and things like that. So we have a very deep, meaningful friendship. Mm-hmm. I don't, I wouldn't classify him as a better friend than my other friends, but it's just a different type of friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I just, I try to be the best friend that I can be to everyone. I try to read what they need and try to be that person for them. And it's taken me a long time to accept the fact that not everybody's going to like me because I can be, I talk a lot. If you can't tell, I'm like talking nonstop on this call. I talk a lot. Perfect Perfect for a podcast, by the way. (laughs) Right. I have a sense of humor that some people can relate to. Some don't. It's usually very silly. So I know I'm not the person for everybody, but I want to be, I want to, I think everybody has that underlying issue or want to be accepted by everyone and it's taken me a long time to realize that I'm not going to be I'm not everybody's therapist and I'm not going to be everybody's friend yeah that's hard for at least for us too we've talked about this before Mm -hmm. yes Um, one thing we've also talked about a lot about in terms of our friending style is that Ricky and I I'm just going to speak on your behalf, which I hope is okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Ricky and I friend quite hard. So it's really difficult for us to, or something that we're working on learning and also through this podcast want to learn is leveling expectations in friendships. And it sounds like you're quite good at identifying like, okay, what can I expect out of this friendship or this friend? Right. And then not wanting everybody to be your best friend all the time. Right. It's easier said than done. very aspirational I have to say you know it's it's hard though even for me like I'll give you a perfect example last night I had a meeting for the the charity that I work with the organization and um when we left the meeting one of the girls that met with us it was a small group maybe five of us and she had messaged me later and said I don't think Allie likes me And I said, that could be Allie's personality. You know, you, we don't know each other that well yet. We're new to this. You may just not know her personality and know how to read her yet. So don't take it personally. But I think that's another example of how the friend that I am, she's looking to me for reassurance for her feelings. And I'm having to you know, keep the peace a little bit between the two. I mean, I don't want to talk bad about Allie, but I also want her to feel better. And so it's trying to find that, that boundary with both of them too. Mm. Nice. Yeah. And for me, you know, Ricky, you had asked me what kind of friend I am and I feel like I'm circling back and all over the place, but I don't know if you picked up on a pattern with me. I have long-term friendships. That's hard because it's hard for me to make new friends. I've, you know, like I said, I have a 30 plus year friendship. I have a 20 year friendship. I have a few that's maybe within the past five years that I'm close to, but it's hard for me to make new friends. And I'm not sure why Um, that is something I would like to work on is trying to establish new friendships along the way, because as we grow and 
I mean, like personal growth and things, sometimes we outgrow people. Yeah. And it's, there's been times when I felt like the friend that I've had for 20 years, she outgrew me. And then there were times I felt like I had outgrown her a little bit, like we weren't in the same place. Um, and so I think it's good to be open to new friendships as they come up. Yeah, no, that's I think that's true for both of us. I'm also going to speak on your behalf because um, it's because uh, I think that I will hold really tightly to friendships, even mm-hmm. if sometimes they aren't good friendships. But I'm just like, well, we've known each other for long time so we're I'm going to figure out how to make this work even if it's not working uh so right. i relate a lot to that and i think one of the questions that you had emailed and that goes along with what you said ricky was that how to know that a friendship is not good for us yeah. and um that's that's hard to answer but this is what i would tell anybody that I talk to in a professional setting or even personal, you have to kind of do a self-evaluation of how you feel after you spend time with that friend. So for example, um, I had, I had a friend in my early twenties. I had to cut her out of my life and I'm like you, Ricky, I hold on to friendships very, very securely. Like I want to keep those people in my life. Um, I had to realize that she was not a good person to have in my life. And we were hitting all the milestones at the same time. We graduated college at the same time. We got engaged at the same time. We got married at the same time. Um, Wanted to start a family at the same time, but I had struggles with that. And so she kind of beat me to children, but she got divorced. And I felt like she was trying to find problems in my marriage I guess so we would still be on the same page with that. And I realized that that friendship was not good for me. Um, She was influencing me in a lot of ways and holding things that I said and confidence against me later, you know, and reminding me of the things I said. So as hard as it is to let those people go, sometimes it's better for your mental health and well-being. So the advice I give to people is, like I said, self evaluate after you spend time with them. Do you feel better or did they make you feel worse? And if that's a consistent pattern where you feel worse about yourself or have that friendship hangover, I don't know if you've heard that term, but when you spend time with someone and you kind of have a hard time bouncing back emotionally, that's a friendship hangover. And that is something you need to recognize and address. Also do you tend to give more than they give. Like if you are the person that feels like you're always bailing them out of a problem or um, they're always using you for something, but you're not getting anything in return. They call you when there's a problem and that's the only time you hear from them. Then they're probably, they're users typically. And you have to decide if that's something that you can emotionally handle or if it's not. Um, Some people like to save the day. And that's okay. But if it weighs on your happiness and um, your mental state, then that's an issue. Yeah. Something that I had a hard time doing is like uh, enduring for the sake of the other friend. But (laughs) 
I really like this evaluation piece because it helps to like check in because like I I put it in the sense of just like, well, if you go to a restaurant and the food's not good, you're not going to just keep going just because you went before. I don't know why that right. was the analogy that flipped, uh, that clicked whenever you said it. But I'm just like, oh, yeah, that does make it like it's that evaluation because I don't do that a lot. So thank you yeah. for that. That's super helpful. Yeah. And I love analogies and that one's perfect. And I'm going to have to carry that over into my professional life. And Sarah can probably tell you, I love to explain things that way. And I also love journaling. And so um, I mood journal and, you know, I do a daily check-in, like how I feel like in the morning, how I feel in the afternoon, because those are transitional times for me. So like, morning, I just got to work. I've had a stressful morning getting ready and then work stressful. So let me check in before I go home. And those two things affect my relationships as well, because some days I'm not in the emotion. I don't have the emotional capacity to take on anything else. And if I don't self-evaluate that carries over into my relationship. And that's the same way with our friendships too. You know, we have to make sure that we're in the mindset to handle certain people. There, I have people in my life that some days I just can't. I cannot tolerate them for very long. And I do have friends that I can spend small increments of time with. And you have to know that too. It's not a bad thing to only be able to spend two or three hours with someone. It's okay. You're not telling them that. You just know that. And it almost makes you a better friend because you're not spending more time with them where you're irritable towards them or shut down or emotionally disconnected, any of those things. It's really nice to have, and this is also something I can attest to you doing in therapy, is like you always give really actionable pieces of advice that we can take and like actually employ in our lives. And Ricky and I always give ourselves a challenge at the end of an episode as to what we want to practice before the next recording session in terms of being a better friend, whether it's to others or ourselves. So we have so many like golden nuggets from this section already that we can take (laughs) from you and challenge ourselves with. So that's really wonderful. One of the things that we also would like to talk about is that finding that line in terms of like, if you have a friend who's struggling, like what are things that we can do as friends versus when, whether it's yourself, like whether you're the one who's struggling or the one that a struggling friend is coming to, like when do you draw the line in terms of having to go to a therapist? And I mean, in my very first job, I was working in a large international NGO And one of, I was uh, like a young associate and we had like a group of young associates, sort of an association. And I was a head for, you know, I plan everything. So I was one of the coordinators and one of the other women came to me and she was texting me one night about like thinking about her life not being worth living anymore, which is Mm -hmm. quite a serious thing. And I know like that's so extreme that I know I'm not equipped to handle it. It's very easy in that sense. It was easy for me to like, she promised me she wasn't going to do anything that she would be in the office the next day. And then I made sure to have spoken to the head of HR and so that she got help through a counselor 
outside of those very extreme situations, how do you know when to refer a friend and when it's okay to refer a friend versus when can you help? I think that's a hard question to answer, but it's a really good question. I think that you have to know, this goes back to self-evaluation, what can you handle? So if it's somebody that just needs to talk, a lot of times they just need somebody to support them and listen to them. They don't need someone to try to fix it. And I always tell people this, never, if you're, if you have somebody that comes to you, never start your advice with, or your feedback to them with at least, and then finish the sentence. So for example, if somebody is unhappy at their job, you should not say, at least you have a job that invalidates their feelings. So for anyone that comes to you about any emotionally distressing situation, no matter what it is, you want them to feel like they are being heard and that their feelings are valid. Even if you don't agree with how they're feeling, their feelings are true to them. So that's how you support friends in those situations. Um, Don't compare you or anyone you know to their situation because to them, nothing is comparable. This is some of the worst that they're feeling and they're coming to you for guidance, for support. So we don't want to say, at least you have a job. At least you have a house. None of those things are helpful. I would say that that's my solid foundational advice. Now, if it dips into something where you feel like it's a self-harm issue or someone's endangering their life, you know, maybe they come to you and talk about an abusive relationship or um, maybe they're having some suicidal ideations or thoughts. I would say it's okay to talk about those things with them until you become uncomfortable, but don't just say, hey, I'm not comfortable talking about this. Support them through it the best you can and then figure out which way you go from there. What kind of help that you need to set up for them. I say, think about like a safety plan for that person. So say they come to you like in your situation and and they have thoughts to hurt themselves or they're questioning if they want to live. Ask them, well, who do you call when you feel that way? When do you feel that way? Like what triggers that feeling? And I know those are therapy questions, but that kind of helps you know what's who they can call and when they feel the worst. So if it's when they're at home, maybe they need somebody at home and maybe you can suggest that. Well, when you're at home, what's going to make you feel better? Is it a podcast? Is it a movie? Is it reaching out to a friend? Is it dinner? And if it's dinner, maybe you can go to dinner with them. Now, if you feel like they're seriously um, at risk to hurt themselves, then that's when you need to seek out some emergency um, suicide hotlines an HR department, resources in the community. And you have to be careful with that because you don't want to be offensive. I mean, you don't want to hurt their feelings and say, hey, I think you need this. But you come from a place of support and say, look, These are things that sometimes help me or I know they have helped other people. And I thought you might just want to take some things away from this that might help you and kind of go with it at that route. What's hard with friendships in those situations is you have no legal or ethical um, bounds to have to report that stuff. As a therapist, I do. If I feel like someone's in danger, I have to ethically and legally report that. I'm a mandated reporter. I could get in very serious trouble if I don't report it. With friends, it's different because you technically don't have to, 
But then what if something does happen to that person? To clarify, if you're in the U.S., where do you report it to? Your local authorities. So if I was, you know, I work through the whole state of Mississippi because that's where I'm licensed. So if they were in my town, I would notify our local sheriff's department or police department. If they're in a different town, it would be their sheriff's department or police department or even their emergency room. Like um, you can tell people to go to their nearest emergency room at the hos- at their nearest hospital and they can get you the help you need to. Thank you. There's also some really great um, suicide hotlines in the United States. And I'm sure that you have those where you are, Sarah. Um, yep. There's some t- text crisis lines and somebody will text back with you. And you can literally just sit there and have a text conversation with a trained professional in crisis management. And that's good, too. Those are good things just for friends to know about. Like a lot of people don't know that those things are out there and it's good just to say, hey, this is an extra resource for you. If you need a little, if you need a therapist or an extra step above this friendship or what I'm giving you, reach out to these things. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's super helpful because I I think the there is this idea that, you know, uh, oh, well, I have a friend, so I should be able to talk to them about anything. Mm-hmm. And especially for, for those who might have some apprehensions or some just stigma around therapy, they will just use a friend right. as their therapist. So it's super helpful to know like right. how someone could redirect them um, or even just be an advocate for them to connect to someone who can help with those things. Right. And there's so many online avenues for therapy now. I mean, that's how Sarah and I met was through BetterHelp. And um, there's a few other out there now that are growing. And so it's so much more accessible to get mental health treatment and therapy at this point than it was 10 years ago. And the stigma around it is really changing. But we have to be supportive of the people that need those things, even from a friendship standpoint, Mm -hmm. you know, and sharing own experiences with whatever you're comfortable with. Like I'm in therapy. I mean, I, and I'm a therapist. And so if I benefit from it, I feel like anyone can, because I should have these tools. I should use them in my day-to-day life because I teach everybody about them, but I still have to see a therapist to, to work on what I've got going on too. I think I say this at least every two weeks, everybody should go to therapy. And currently I'm not in therapy myself, but I also, yeah, I have so many excuses, but I think I should just get back in. Like, I think it's so healthy for everybody. I mean, I currently have a friend and, um, Ricky and I decided because we have a whole podcast and we talk about so many of our friendships all the time. I call all my friends Winnie and then nobody knows who it is. And Ricky calls all his friends Mm -hmm. Archie just to have, you know, one person. So we're not singling out, always talking about ex-friend. One of my, one of my friends uh, suffers from PTSD and he has an aversion to therapy. So for me, I often find Mm -hmm. myself actively thinking like I can't handle this I don't know how to be here for you 
I want to be here, right. but I don't know how to be here for you. When we talk, it's quite often because he's in a really bad space. It's really nice to hear some of the tools that you just mentioned so that I know, okay, so instead of, you know, I can ask him questions like, well, what makes you feel this? Or who would you like to talk to in those situations? Little things so that I can hopefully help nudge him a little bit. Right. And a lot of people, if they've had a bad experience with therapy, it's hard for them to get back into it for sure. And not every therapist out there handles situations like they should. And not, and like this goes back to, I'm not everybody's friend. I'm not everybody's therapist. So you sometimes have to shop around a little bit to find a therapist that works for you. So you said that you feel sometimes like you can't handle what he's got going on. What makes you feel that way? Primarily because, so you know me quite well, but for our listeners, I'm a very analytical person. So I always have sort of a an observational or meta layer going on in the back of my mind, analyzing what's going on for me emotionally, sometimes to my detriment. Okay. But in this case, I think I automatically do the check-ins and I realize quite often that I'm left feeling talking to him because he's, we only primarily talk when he's in a negative space. I'm left feeling with a lot of negative energy that I don't know how to place somewhere else. I don't know how to absorb it. I don't know what to do with it. I mean, he's my friend. I love him. I want to be there for him, but I don't always know how to without it affecting my own mental health. Right. I think for that reason, I pulled away, but I've also been thinking that maybe I would like to make and then we're trying to figure out whether this is there. Well, now I've gone to the restaurant and I want to keep going, even though I don't like the food or whether this is a, you know, some friendships actually if with a little bit of investment, they can, like any relationship can also turn back around. And we have been really close right. and talked about everything and had a lot of fun as well. So I would like to try to reach out right. to him more on like not just when he's feeling badly but also randomly just sending him little pieces of information about like the positive things in my life and then i hope that he's gonna start focusing on some of the positive things in his life so that we can have a little bit more of a positive interaction i want to be there for my friends and i know friendships and life it goes up and down like you're not always in a positive space and that's okay but mm -hmm. it's just been for a very long time and last year in my life was not a great year so I didn't have a right. lot of emotional capacity to do a whole lot of other things and manage myself. And so the advice that I would give somebody that felt that way, the way that you have felt where you feel like emotionally, you don't have a lot to give to this friend. Everything is negative. These are the things that I picked out from what you said. Our interactions are often more negative than they are positive. It's draining for me. Yeah. I'm not going to say stop being his friend. That's not a, that's not a fix to this, but being self-aware that sometimes you feel that way after an interaction with him, that's step number one. Step number two is what can I contain? So think about, here's an analogy, putting it in a box and putting it away. What can I put away from these conversations to where I don't think about it after we go our separate ways, what, you know, the next day, how can I put those feelings that he made me feel during that conversation? How can I package them up and put it away? Sometimes that means spending 30 minutes to self-reflect after the conversation you have with somebody and just kind of having that time to decompress and, and separate your, your feelings from his feelings. Okay. My friend felt sad, but I'm not sad. Yeah. 
he felt depressed, but I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed because, mm. you know, I'm doing really well, right? You know, whatever it is, you've got to learn to separate it. So those feelings don't carry over to you. And then the third thing I would suggest is what you said, like, how can we balance out the negative or sad or depressing interactions with some good interactions? Like, how can I check in on a normal day where he's not reaching out to me because he feels bad? Like, how can we balance those interactions out? Because that will be able to show you if the good outweighs or at least balances out the negative. And then if those interactions where you're trying to reach out, you're trying to have some positive interaction with somebody. If those turn negative, then you know, okay, maybe this isn't what I need. Maybe this is more negative than positive, but he's been through a lot. And so you kind of have to give him a little bit of grace. And I know that you are, but also you have to take care of yourself too and separate those feelings. Don't let his feelings weigh on you or change your mindset. It's easy to be influenced by other people. If they're sad, it's easy to be sad. If they're happy, it's easy to be happy. Thank you so much. I have so much homework. I always have homework every time I talk to you, Jessica. (laughs) Wonderful. Something that we, we're not trying to necessarily solve friendship, but we are trying to figure out how we ourselves can be uh, better friends to ourselves and others. So if you don't mind sharing, how are you, currently trying to be a better friend to yourself and others. In terms of being a better friend to myself, sometimes you have to be kind to yourself and forgiving and understand that most people in the world, most people we interact with are doing the best they can in that given situation. So say I have a friend that's struggling with work. They may be doing the the best they can, or maybe they're struggling at, at home. They're probably doing the best they can. And so let me just support them and be the best version of a friend that I can be. And the good advice is, is think about what you need in those situations. So like if it were you, walk a mile in their shoes kind of thing. If they're struggling with depression, what would you need from someone if you were struggling with depression? Would you want somebody just to check in on you randomly or offer to take you to dinner or send you cards in the mail or emails, you know, whatever it is, like, what would you want from somebody? And you can't go wrong with that. Like think about what's going to make you feel better and try to do those things for your friends. I think that we know ourselves the best. No one knows you better than you know yourself. And so knowing what kind of friend you can be to people and your strengths and your weaknesses is a good place to start. There's always work to do, but we're just all trying to get through every day the best we can. Thank you. Forgive yourself and be kind to yourself. Nice. Hmm. Uh, You're such a good guest, Jessica. It was amazing. Yes. Appreciate it. And once again, Jessica, your email is jessicaclearylpc at yahoo.com. Yes, that is me. We'll put that in the episode description and also in our Instagram posts. Yes, that's how you can reach out for um, appointments or mental health resources or anything. That's my professional email. So um, if anyone needs anything, that's where you can reach me. Nice. Thank you so much for your time.
do you see why I love her? Yes. Wow. She's amazing. Wow. Oof. That that was great. I mean, we only got through one topic, but it was so <laughs> awesome. Well, oh man, it's that's going to be fun to to see how everything lands because we even though we did just get through one topic we got we covered a lot we got i like that we're able to get into some depth depth yeah. um because i know so much like she's such a fountain of knowledge she has so much to say we have just like the, we have four bullet points that we talked about for an hour uh she's that's such great a badass. i and for anybody who's if we have listeners now i don't know if this is being cut out whatever what you heard right now, that's therapy with Jessica. It feels like talking to a friend. Mm-hmm. You're, I mean, I cannot recommend her enough. And she's just, I mean, she's a gem for real. Yeah. Yeah. And I, something I really appreciate just about just the nature of our conversation mm-hmm. is that um, it helped me to see that like there are different levels of friendship and support that doesn't require you to overextend yourself is kind of like the thing that I was like, Oh, but I thought that's what you had to do as a friend. Just continually overextend yourself because that's what friendship is. But it was really cool to see that like, well, no, you can have healthy interactions with people. Um, and And you can, and boundaries. That was, that was the word of the day was boundaries. And I, I have some uh, things I need to look at in a good way, because I, I think boundaries can sometimes feel um, that you're being super restrictive. But the way yeah. that she was talking about it was just like, well, it's about making sure that you are able to support yourself so you can be yourself uh, and be in relationship with other people. I cannot wait to hear this episode and take notes because there were so many golden nuggets in what she said that I just want to write it all down. And I mean, get ready for the next umpteen different, what are we practicing till next time? Cause I need to do all of it. Yes. <laughs> no, especially the whole don't compare to a situation you've been in to try to give advice mm-hmm. don't, or that somebody else, you know, has been in. Don't say, well, I mean, look on the bright side, at least you blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I do this so much. Oh, Sarah, it's because we're fixers. And we're like, no, I can help. Like, I know exactly. Don't, here. Oh, so I. You I always relate. get me, Ricky. <laughs> this is why I love you. Like, it's I don't have to explain. You just know. Oh, I know. I know it all too well. <laughs> but there's so many. Th- Dude, we have a lot of homework cut out for us. We really do. Yeah. Again, uh, check out our Instagram because we are also going to be sharing some of uh, Jessica's resources and her contact information. She is a wealth of knowledge and really wants to support and help anyone any way that she can. And so make sure you check her out, follow her, uh, even just shoot her an email saying, heard you on the podcast. I'm sure she'd love to hear it. She would love it. And we'll also be through our the Instagram, which is friendtimidpod, friendtimid.pod, sorry. And Frentimate is F-R-I-E-N-D-T-I-M-A-T-E dot P-O-D on Instagram. We're so happy to hear from you. Any sort of feedback? Well, it's always ideas for topics, questions you want us to answer. Maybe we'll do an AMA where y'all can ask us whatever you want and we'll go through them. 
in an episode. Just let us know what you think. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go start working on all of the things that Jessica said that we should be doing as yeah, friends. We have a lot of homework to do. That was that was incredible. Thank you for going to therapy and finding her. I need to go back to her. I miss her, man. Hmm. But of course. So, anyways, what is our what is it that we always say at the end of these episodes? Uh, what we always say is a friend in need is a friend in need. Every time. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>